Carter Report presents worship from the Community Adventist Fellowship in Glendale, California. A special welcome to all of our viewers in North America and our new friends and churches in Russia. Today you'll enjoy uplifting music and the preaching of the everlasting gospel by pastor, teacher, and evangelist John Carter. Please get your Bible and study the Word of God with us today. Thank you for joining us for Worship and Praise. topic today is the Lord's Day, the Christian Sabbath, God's answer to man's restlessness, God's fortress against evil, God's window on eternity, God's sanctuary in time, and our holiday with God. Today I want to present some great liberating truths. And the first great truth that I want to present to you today is this. There is only one way that a person can ever be saved, and that is by the grace of God through faith. I want you please to take your Bible now and turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, and verse 20 and 21. It is page 854. Today we have many strong Bible passages, and I wish today that you would please turn to the passages just as fast as humanly possible. Hebrews chapter 13, page 854. Verse 20, 21, the left-hand page, the left-hand column. The Bible says, May the God of peace, who through the blood of what? Say the words. Say it a little louder, please. Through the blood of the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with every good for doing what? For doing his will. The Bible tells us that we are to do the will of God. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I want you to notice some strong words here. The Bible talks about the blood. The Bible says that we are saved by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the Bible says that we are saved by the blood of what sort of covenant? The everlasting covenant. I want you to know this today, that there has ever been only one way whereby God has saved his lost sons and his daughters. That is why I personally, even though I love my brothers and sisters in other uh, communions who believe in dispensationalism, this is why I could never be a dispensationalist. I could never believe that people in the Old Testament were saved by obedience to the law of God, whereas people in the New Testament are saved apart from the law of God. I believe that God has only ever had one way of saving lost boys and girls lost men and women and the Bible says it is through the blood of the everlasting covenant God does not change in his relationships to the human race and the Bible says that we are saved by the blood of the everlasting covenant I was listening to a famous black preacher and he said this to his congregation 
And please listen to the end of the story. He said, I want to tell you, my black brothers, there are not going to be any black people in heaven. This hardly caused a lot of amens in that black audience. And then he said, what is more, I want to tell you something else, there are not going to be any white people in heaven. He said, there are not going to be any brown people in heaven. The only people in heaven are going to be red people because they've been washed in the red blood of the everlasting covenant. I want you to know today that the Bible says, we're not going to turn to this passage, but the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, that God preached the gospel to Abraham. Abraham is held out as a great example in the Bible of how a man is saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Abraham was saved by grace. Abraham wasn't saved by his obedience. He wasn't saved by his works. The only way that you can ever make it home to the kingdom of God is through the blood of the everlasting covenant. And I want you to know that. I want you to believe today that we are saved by grace and we are saved through faith in the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the first great truth. The second great truth is this. That God today has for people who have been saved by grace, as God has always had for people who are saved by grace, God has a holy day. And that is the Christian Sabbath. That's the Lord's Day. Please come to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10. And I would emphasize today, I want you please to stay with me in the Bible, to turn to every passage. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10. It is the last book in the Bible, and it is Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10. And uh, this great man, the Apostle John, says, On the Lord's day I was in the Spirit and heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Now, some of my beloved Christian friends say, Any day is the Sabbath. Any day is a holy day. But I want to tell you that isn't so, because the Bible says there is a Lord's day. And the Lord's day is the day that is dedicated to the Lord. Now my beloved Sunday keeping friends say to me, but John Carter, don't you know the Lord's day is Sunday because that's what it says in the, in the early church fathers. I want to say to you, I'm not interested in what the early church fathers say. I'm interested in what the Bible says. Now the Bible tells me that there is a Lord's day and the Bible tells me what day is the Lord's day. Would you come to Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 13? And as plain as day, it tells you what the Lord's Day is. It is page 527. I want you please to turn to page 527. That's back in the Old Testament. And this text, as plain as day, tells you what day is the Lord's Day. The Bible says, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, and from doing as you please, What are the words? On my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, I ask you, my friend, what is the Lord's day? The Bible says that the Sabbath is the Lord's holy day. Sunday, the first day of the week, is never called the Lord's day. The Sabbath is the Lord's day. The Lord's holy day honorable. 
And if you honour it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord and I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. And so the Bible tells me, number one, I am saved by grace. The only way that a person can ever be saved back in the Old Testament was by grace. And the Bible says, number two, that the Lord of grace has a day and it is the Holy Sabbath. And here is truth number three. The Lord's holy day, the Sabbath, has been the great spiritual test for the people of God down through the ages. Oh, people say to me, it doesn't matter a great deal. I want you to know today that the Lord's day has been the test for the Lord's people down through the ages. And I'm going to prove it to you. I want you to come now to Genesis chapter 2 and verses 1 to 3. Genesis, the second chapter, and verses uh, 1 to 3. Right at the very start of the Bible, when it talks about the creation of the cosmos. Genesis 2 verses 1 to 3 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God, and that is God the Son, because Jesus was the person who created the world. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Listen, my friend, before sin came into this world, the Bible tells me that God, and it is referring to God the Son, it is referring to Jesus Christ. The Bible tells me that he rested on the seventh day. And the Bible says Jesus blessed the seventh day. And Jesus made it holy. And that is why the seventh day Sabbath is the Lord's day. Amen. And when the Bible tells me it was made for Adam and Eve, the Bible is telling me that the seventh day Sabbath, the Lord's day, is made for all of the, of the children of Adam and Eve. It is the Lord's day. And the Bible tells me that the Lord's day has been the test for the people of God down through the ages. Would you please come over here now to Exodus chapter 16 and let me prove it to you. Come over here to Exodus chapter 16, which is the story of, of the giving of the manna in the wilderness. Now the Lord had led the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt and they were his redeemed people. And the Bible tells us that God worked a miracle for the children of Israel. On Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, God poured out the manna. And on Friday, there was a double portion of the manna. But there was no manna on the Lord's day, on the Sabbath. Because God was trying to get through into their minds that a person ought to keep the Lord's day, the Sabbath. Notice Exodus 16, verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day. You notice it says each day, but each day doesn't include the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath is not a part of the ordinary days of the week. I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way I will what? Come on church, what does it say? I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in. 
And that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days because it's the preparation day. Friday is the preparation day. Come over the page, verse 21. Each morning everyone gathered as much as he needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. And verse 26, God said, six days you are to gather it. But on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there'll not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? And verse 35, the Israelites ate manna for how many years? 40 years. My friend, can you think of it? For 40 years, God performed miracle after miracle. In 40 years, you have more than 2,000 Sabbaths. You've got 2,000 Sundays and 2,000 Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays. And then you had a double portion on the Friday. How many miracles? Thousands, thousands, thousands. And people say, how can you tell which is the seventh day? I would think, my friend, after thousands of miracles, a person with the lowest intelligence would know which was the Sabbath. Don't you think? Ah, my friend, it is not a case of not knowing which is the Sabbath. It is love in the heart to obey God. That is what we need. And so God said, I am trying to teach you here that you are to keep the Lord's day. And he did this to teach them that he was their creator and their provider. Now come over now to Nehemiah chapter 13. Now come fast. I've got, I've got enough material today for 52 sermons. Nehemiah chapter 13. Page 353, so I'm going to go faster. And if you can't find the passages quick enough, then you'll just have to be left to the mercy of God. Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 15. 353, faster, folks. Come on. You're not going to relax today. Verse 15, in those days I saw men in Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath, bringing in grain and loading it on donkeys. You see, the donkeys were working on the Sabbath because they didn't have enough sense. But that wasn't true of the rest of these people. Bringing in grain and loading it on donkeys, together with wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of loads. And they were bringing all this into Jerusalem on the Sabbath. Therefore I warned them against selling food on that day. The Bible says don't sell food on the Sabbath. Men from Tyre who lived in Jerusalem were bringing in fish and all kinds, of, kinds of, of merchandise and selling them in Jerusalem on the Sabbath to the people of Judah. I rebuked the nobles of Judah and said to them, what is this, what does it say? What is this wicked thing you are doing, desecrating the Sabbath day? Didn't your forefathers do the same things? So that our God brought all this calamity upon us and upon this city? Now you are stirring up more wrath against Israel by desecrating the Sabbath. Oh, my friend, what stronger words can I bring to you? 
When people say it doesn't matter about keeping the Sabbath, here were people who were buying and selling and treating the Lord's day like any other day. And the prophet Nehemiah said, you know why God brought wrath upon Israel? It's because Israel profaned the Sabbath. I want you to know this, this Lord's day is not something of a trivial matter. The Lord's day is something of great importance because it stands for allegiance to the God of heaven. Come over now with me please to the book of Jeremiah chapter 17. And the Bible tells me there that Israel would have been blessed and Jerusalem would have stood forever if they'd kept the Sabbath. Come to page 549. Jeremiah chapter 17. And verse 22, Jeremiah 17, verse 22. Now somebody's going to say to me, but these texts are in the Old Testament. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that, I ask you? Did you know that the Old Testament is the only Bible that Jesus Christ ever had? You know when the apostles went out to preach the gospel, they didn't have a New Testament because they later on wrote it. The only Bible that Jesus ever had was the Old Testament. My friend, if you will not hear the Old Testament, you will turn your back on the only Bible that Jesus ever had. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 22. God said here, Do not bring a load out of your houses or do any work on the Sabbath, but keep the Sabbath day holy as I commanded your forefathers. Yet they did not listen or pay attention. They were stiff-necked and would not listen or respond to discipline. But if you are careful to obey me, declares the Lord, and bring no load through the gates of the city on the Sabbath, but keep the Sabbath day holy by not doing any work on it, then kings who sit on David's throne will come through the gates of this city with their officials. They and their officials will come riding in chariots and on horses, accompanied by the men of Judah and those living in Jerusalem and this city will be inhabited forever. My friend, the city of Jerusalem has been overthrown dozens of times. The people have been cast down to the ground. And when I was in Jerusalem just two weeks ago and went up to the Temple Mount, there you have the most sacred spot as far as the Israelite is concerned, and on top of the sacred spot you have a Muslim mosque. Why? The Bible says that city would have remained forever as the city of the great king if the people had kept the Sabbath. And verse 27, But if you do not obey me to keep the Sabbath day holy, by not carrying any load as you come through the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then I will kindle an unquenchable fire in the gates of Jerusalem that will consume her fortresses. My friend, it was a test in the days of Moses. It was a test in the days of the children of Israel. It was a test in the days of Nehemiah. It was a test in the days of Jeremiah. It was a test in the days of Isaiah the prophet. It was a test in the days of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to come to the New Testament. Come to Matthew chapter 12. It was a test in the days of Jesus. Page 689, it has been a test for the people of God down through the ages. It is the Lord's day. Uh, notice Matthew chapter 12, page 689, verse 9 and onwards. 
going on from that place, he went into their synagogue. And a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will he not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Now you say to me today, doesn't this show that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, broke the Sabbath? My friend, I would not like to accuse the sinless Son of God of rebellion against his father's law as the Pharisees did. They said, Jesus is breaking the Sabbath. Jesus was keeping the Sabbath. Jesus abolished all the traditions of the Jews concerning the Sabbath, but Jesus restored the Sabbath to the position of the Lord's day. Jesus made a test of the Sabbath. Jesus, Stephen, did not make a test of the ceremonial law. Jesus did not precipitate a crisis over circumcision. But Jesus precipitated a crisis over the keeping of the Sabbath. And Jesus performed his greatest, his most glorious miracles were done on the Sabbath day. And the Jews got so mad with Jesus because of his attitude towards the Sabbath that they said, we're going to put him to death. Jesus risked his life and his mission to show us that the Sabbath is the Lord's day. Never come and say the Sabbath is unimportant. Jesus put his life on the line to show us the importance of the Lord's day, the Sabbath. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. Come over here to Matthew 24 and verse 20. Here Jesus is talking about the last days. Jesus said, pray that your flight will not take place in winter. Why? Because it's cold and dangerous or on the Sabbath. For then there'll be great distress, unequal from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equal again. Jesus, my friend, was thinking here of the overthrow of the city of Jerusalem that occurred in 70 AD, but that was a type of the end of the world. And Jesus said, there is going to come a great time of trouble upon the world and upon the church. And Jesus said, pray to God that you won't have to flee in the winter because of the cold or on the Sabbath. My friend, I appeal to you, how can it be said with any rationale that the Sabbath was nailed to the cross when Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, said, keep my Sabbath at the end of time. Jesus taught that the seventh day Sabbath will be a test in the last days. And these are the days in which we are living. Come over now to Revelation 14 and verse 6 and 7. Revelation chapter 14 
and verse 6 and 7. And here we have the message of the three angels. Page 874. And this is God's last message to the sons of men. Please notice it. Then I saw another angel flying in midair. And he had the eternal gospel. This is the gospel of the everlasting covenant. And you come to verse 7. He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory. Because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Listen, friend. Do you know what this verse is quoting from? When God says, worship the one who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, the springs of water. You know where this is from? This is from the fourth commandment. God says, in the last days there is going to come a great test for the people of God. It is going to be a test over the gospel. It is going to be a test over grace. And it is going to be a test over the worship of the creator God and the keeping of the Sabbath. Verse 12 says, this calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commandments and remain faithful to Jesus. And chapter 15 and verse 5 says, After this I looked, and in heaven the temple, that is the tabernacle of the testimony, was opened. And the word testimony, in this context, means one thing. The Ten Commandments, including the Sabbath. Let us sink down into your hearts. Let us sink down into your minds. We are saved by grace. We are not saved by our works. But we are saved not to disobey. We are saved to obey God. Number two. God has a day. It is the Lord's day. It is the Christian Sabbath. Number three. The Christian Sabbath. God's day has been a test. Down through the ages, a test for Moses, a test for Israel, a test for Nehemiah, a test for Isaiah, a test for Jeremiah, a test in the days of Jesus, a test in the last days, a test right at the very end of time when God says, keep the Sabbath, honor the creator God, remember the Lord and remember the Lord's day. Truth number four, the Sabbath is God's mighty fortress against the evil of the world. Did you get this? Maybe that didn't come through. Truth number four, the seventh day Sabbath, the Lord's day, is God's mighty fortress to save us from the evil in the world. During the Battle of Waterloo, fought between the French and the British, there was a battle for the Chateau of Hougoumont. That was between the British and the French lines. The French said, if we capture the Chateau of Hougoumont, then the British will have lost their cause. And they poured a great deal of their forces against the Chateau of Hougoumont. At one stage, they burst open the great door and the French came storming in. 
but the British counterattacked and drove the British, uh, drove the French out, and uh, a big English uh, captain took hold of a massive piece of wood and took it to the door and battered up the door to Hougamont. The battle turned on the winning of the chateau. And the British won that day and the French were defeated and Napoleon's cause was lost. It was because they kept the chateau, the fortress of Hougamont. God has got a fortress for the world and he's got a fortress for the church. And that fortress is the Lord's day. It is the Sabbath. You give it up at your peril. Let me tell you why. The Sabbath is a continual reminder. It is a weekly reminder. It is a daily reminder that we are creatures who worship the Creator God. The Sabbath is God's perpetual reminder. It directs us to the Creator and calls for a living commitment to God. Come to Exodus chapter 20. And here God came down in fiery splendor and gave the Ten Commandments. And in the bosom of the Ten Commandments he gave the Sabbath. Page 54. Exodus 20 verse 1. God spoke all these words. Don't despise the word of God. Verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. And verse 11, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. I wish that every American could go with me next year to Russia because by God's grace we're going in September, October, to the capital of the Ukraine. And they're preparing there a great theater that seats 11,000 people. And they want us to run two sessions every night for six weeks. They believe that when we pass out the more than one million handbills and advertise on radio and television, there will not be room. I wish you could go to those countries and see the dreadful decay of society because people turn from the Creator God. I wish you could see the deplorable living conditions. I wish you could see, for your own soul's sake, the despair in the eyes of the men and the women, the boys and the girls, and the leaders of those nations that forgot God. God gave the Sabbath as a continual reminder, as a fortress. People say, what do I have to give up? Let's not be foolish. You and I give up nothing for God. It's worth keeping, except a smoker's cough, anxiety, and heartache. And we say, what do I have to give up? What did the Russians give up? Everything when they gave up God. 
I've seen that same despair that I saw in Russia in America. I've seen it here in a collapsing society too. And unless there is a tremendous turning around, this American society will go the way of the Russian society and the dollar will go the way of the ruble. Don't think that we are invincible. We are feet of clay. And in this nation today, there is a turning from God and there is the worship of Baal. And one of the main reasons that our cities are so filled with crime and despair is because men have forgotten God and the Creator. And they have forgotten the Creator because they were too smart to keep the Sabbath. And because of pernicious reasoning, they said, people saved by grace do not need the law of God. What childishness. People say, when I go to Israel, it's too dangerous to go there. There are more people killed in Los Angeles in one weekend than killed in the whole Middle East during 52 weeks. Our society is the most violent, godless society on the face of the earth. Because man has forgotten God. And we have forgotten God largely because we have forgotten the Sabbath. God gave us a hugemont and we have given it to the enemy. De Kaverian, quoted by the great Dr. Barth, says, where the holy day becomes the day of man, society and humanity wither away and the demons rule. When you give up the Sabbath, what goes next? Society goes. The home goes. Everything goes. Everything goes. And then in the end we, we come to ourselves like the foolish boy, the prodigal son. And we say it's time we went back to our father's house. It's time we went back to our father's house and kept the Sabbath. You say to me, it's inconvenient to keep the Sabbath. What's new? It's inconvenient to be a Christian. It's inconvenient to follow God. I should not follow a lifestyle because it's convenient or inconvenient. I should do it because I am committed to the Creator God. I should come to church not because I feel like it or because I don't feel like it, but because I'm committed to God. The Sabbath is God's fortress. Truth number five. The Holy Sabbath points us to the gospel of Jesus. I want you to come to Hebrews chapter 4, page 847. The Holy Sabbath points us to the Holy Jesus. The Holy Sabbath is a type of the gospel. The true Sabbath is the symbol of grace. The true symbol, uh, the, the Holy Sabbath is the true symbol of the true gospel of righteousness by faith. Sunday keeping when you understand where it came from is the symbol of righteousness by works. Man's works. It is not a symbol of grace. It is a symbol of bondage. Bondage to Antichrist. Hebrews 4 verse 1 Therefore 
Since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found or have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did, that they there refers to the children of Israel, the Jews. The Bible said, we've had the gospel preached to us, just as the children of Israel did. They had the everlasting covenant. Verse 4, for somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, and on the seventh day God rested from his work. And verse 9, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. What does the Sabbath stand for? Divine rest. God's rest for human restlessness. The only commandment in the Decalogue that rightly represents the gospel is the Sabbath. The Sabbath says, I rested. Cease from your works. That's what the Sabbath says. God says, I worked, I rested, I did it for you. The Sabbath represents the gospel of grace, my friend. What a wonderful truth. The Sabbath is full of Christ. It is bursting with Christ. It bursts with the gospel. Let me tell you something. Only a person who understands the gospel can keep the Sabbath. Only a person who's entered into divine rest can enter into the rest of the Sabbath. A person, my friend, who is interested in the traditions of men more than the word of God can never keep the Sabbath. That's why so few, few people keep the Sabbath. That's why it's a burden to most people. That's why most people try to get out of keeping the Sabbath because they do not know the rest of the gospel. When you enter into rest, then you will keep the Sabbath. It is full of Christ. Truth number six. God's Sabbath is God's great celebration day of victory and liberty. Did you get that? It took a long time to work that out, so don't let it just go past quickly. God's Sabbath is God's great Sabbath celebration day of victory and what? Liberty. Come to Luke 4, verse 16. Luke 4, verse 16 and onwards, page 727. Luke 4, and you're turning to the passages marvelously well because I want you to see it in the Word. We're saved by the Word. 727, this is a great passage. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Jesus was a Sabbath keeper. Jesus never kept Sunday. He never spoke about Sunday. His disciples never kept Sunday. None of the early Christians kept Sunday. It is completely foreign to the Bible. Jesus kept the Sabbath. He healed on the Sabbath. He did his greatest miracles on the Sabbath. And he said, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. 
So Jesus, if he were here today, would be here in church on the Sabbath day. That's where you ought to be. That's where you ought to be. This is not an option. People say, well, I can do it whether I like it or not. Nobody's getting to heaven with that attitude. You hear what I'm telling you? The Bible tells us that we are called to be saved by the gospel, but the gospel leads to commitment to Christ. I do not believe in a wishy-washy, mamby-pamby gospel. I don't believe in it. And people say to me, well, you won't get on in Southern California if you don't preach a wishy-washy gospel. Well, then I just won't get on. I don't care. I don't care whether I get on or not. I want to get up. You hear that? I want to get up to heaven. I don't care whether I get on with you or not. I would like to. I would like to. But my first commission is not to get on with you. My commission is to do what is right and to preach the word. And if I can get on with you at the same time, as apparently I am, then that'll suit me fine. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. On the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Now, I want you to notice this. This happens on the Sabbath. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. That's the gospel. Eternal gospel. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And recovery of sight for the blind. To release the oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, I never knew what I'm going to tell you now until relatively recent years. When Jesus here talks about the year of the Lord's favor, he's talking about the greatest Sabbath of them all. That's the Jubilee. There were seven, seven Sabbaths. Seven sevens, 49 they had a jubilee seven, then they had seven sevens. That was the great jubilee. And when the great jubilee came, that was the Sabbath of Sabbaths. You know what happened? Everybody who was in debt got rid of his debts. He was forgiven. What a great idea. And if you'd lost your land, sold your land, you got it back again and came back into your family. And if you were a slave, you were made free. In the Sabbath of Sabbaths. Now Jesus said, I have come to let the slave become free. He said, I've come to set up the Jubilee. Jesus said, I've come to proclaim the great Sabbath Jubilee when everybody's going to be forgiven his debts. All the slaves are going to be made free and you're going to hear good news of an eternal gospel. And the seventh day Sabbath is a type of the great jubilee. Did you know that? Most of you didn't know that. Well, I didn't know it once. The seventh day day sabbath is a type of the great jubilee 
and Jesus came and preached on the Sabbath the great message of the great Jubilee. You know what the Sabbath is meant to say? Oh, I wish we had a church bell. I wish we had our own property and I wish we had a steeple and I wish we had a bell uh, because I'd ring the bell on Friday evening and I'd ring it on Sabbath morning and I'd want the bell to say to the people, come to church. Come and keep the Sabbath. Come and worship the Creator God. Come and be healed of your sicknesses. Come and be forgiven of your debts. Let the slave, the slave to sin, come to church. Let him be made a free man. That's the message of the Sabbath. And people say to me, must be an awful burden to keep that old Jewish Sabbath. Boy. Think what they're missing out on. Think of their paucity of knowledge and their greatness of ignorance. The Sabbath goes back before the Jews. Thank God the Jews had it. But it's more than a Jewish Sabbath. It is the Lord's day. And it is God's super day. It is his day of liberty and freedom. And truth number seven. Always got to have a seven points. Perfect number. The Sabbath is God's window on eternity. It tells me as it was in the Garden of Eden, so it is going to be soon when Jesus comes again. The Sabbath, my friend, is a beautiful thing. God made the world. He made Adam and Eve. You know the first day they spent together what it was? God made Adam and Eve on Friday afternoon. Then he said, I'm giving you a marriage gift. You know what it was? The Sabbath. There are two twins from the Garden of Eden that are still alive today, marriage and the Sabbath. And so God made a beautiful, wonderful world and then he said, so you won't lose it and so you won't forget it and you won't forget me. Here's a gift. Keep the Sabbath. Now sin has come in. But every time we keep the Sabbath, we remember Eden. And we remember the day when Eden is going to bloom on this earth again. Come to Isaiah 65, verse 17. Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17, page 532. 532 in the Gospel prophet Isaiah chapter uh, 65, 532. Left hand page, left hand column. Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. My friend, doesn't this do something for you? Wouldn't you like one day to wake up in the earth made new? Don't you want to be in heaven? Don't you want to be there on the shore and know that there's going to be no pain, there's going to be no sickness, there's going to be no death, and there's going to be no end. And you've, you've got a mansion in the New Jerusalem. Every time, my friend, a person keeps the seventh day Sabbath, God is saying to him, just as it was in the beginning, so it's going to be. So, God's Sabbath is a sanctuary in time. It is a holiday with God. 
It is his fortress against a world in turmoil and strife and wickedness. It is also the seventh day Sabbath, a window on eternity. It tells us everything's going to be okay if we're true to God. Look at Isaiah 66, 22, 23. Page 533, as the new heavens and the new earth that I will make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so will your name and descendants endure. From one new moon to another, say it with me, come on, and from one Sabbath to another, all mankind will come and bow down before me. Did you know that when God's people make it, to the other shore. When paradise comes down to this earth and sin is no more. When God's people are renewed by the power of God, they're going to keep the blessed seventh day Sabbath. Even the Sunday keepers are going to keep it then. Hmm. But you say, but can Sunday keepers get there when they've been breaking it? Well, you see, when people are in ignorance, God does not hold them accountable until they know, as you do now. You hear that? So every one of us is accountable now to live according to the truth. But one day in the kingdom of God, Martin Luther is going to be there. And Martin Luther is going to be keeping the Sabbath. John Wesley is going to be there, and John Wesley is going to be keeping the Sabbath. All of God's people, wherever they have come from, saved by the blood of the everlasting covenant, not saved by the law, not saved by works, but saved by blood, saved by grace, will keep the Sabbath because of their love for the Savior. And the keeping of the Sabbath will be forever a reminder to them that God sent his Son into this world and brought them eternal rest. Now in the last day you'll find there'll be two great classes. Oh, let us not say just the last day. The history of the human race. Stephen, two great classes. Let me talk about the big class. Because the big class has many good and honorable people in it. I'm referring to those who keep Sunday. Multitudes of good Christian people today who do it sincerely, believing it is the Lord's day. In fact, they are doing it in ignorance and they are not condemned by our Father in heaven who accepts their devotion as they do it in love, in sincerity and ignorance. And there is a great class there, many wonderful Christians, including many other people too. All of the popes down through the ages are there. Firm Sunday keepers. The great churches of the land filled with many wonderful people. Great Sunday keepers. 
And then there is another class, Sabbath keepers. Among the Sabbath keepers, I'm interested to note Adam. All of the patriarchs of the Bible, all of them, all of the prophets of the Bible, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, King David, all of the great prophets of the Bible. As I look at that class of Sabbath keepers, I see all of the apostles of the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I see the great Saint Paul, the greatest theologian of the Christian church, the greatest exponent of the gospel of God's grace, the greatest teacher of righteousness by faith. There is Saint Paul. I see millions of Coptic Christians. I see all of the early Christians, millions and millions, the martyrs who died at the hands of pagan Rome. I see multitudes from the Waldenses. I see multitudes living today who by the grace of God are determined that they will be committed to Christ and they will keep the Sabbath. It is not a poor group. It is the most illustrious group that has ever lived. And they're all Sabbath keepers. And as I look at the group, I see something that makes my heart almost miss a beat because standing head and shoulders above that illustrious crowd is the Lord Jesus Christ. A Sabbath keeper. He said, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And as I look at both classes, it's not very hard for me to make up my mind. I look at the one great class that follows tradition, many sincerely. And then I look at the other class that is made up of the greatest saints that the, the world has ever seen. And when I look at the man who stands head and shoulders above them all, I say in the words of the old gospel hymn, take the world, but give me Jesus. And when I make that decision to accept Christ and to stand with Christ, I also make that decision at the same time to keep the Holy Sabbath the Lord's day, by his grace. Amen. I want you all to bow your heads, please. Our Father God, we thank you today for these great soul-saving truths that have, have riveted our attention here. We thank you today for the great truth, the foundation, that we are saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. We are saved through the eternal covenant, the blood of the great shepherd of the sheep. And we are saved not to continue the rebellion, but to surrender and to obey God and to keep his commandments, not to be saved, but because we are saved, because we love him. 
We can see today, our Father, that God has a day, the Lord's Day, the Christian Sabbath. We can see today it has been the test for the people of God down through the ages. The test in the days of the children of Israel, a test in the days of Moses, Nehemiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all of the prophets. It was the great test in the days of Jesus who put his life on the line to show us the importance of the Lord's day. Our Father, we thank you today that you've given us this day to protect us and to be a fortress against the forces of evil. Some of us have been opening up the door and letting those evil forces come in. By your grace today, our Father, take out the forces of evil, close the door, and secure the fortress.